Hello everyone. Some 12 years ago, two guys walked into the OAG offices in Luton from a company called Duhop, based in Keflavik, Iceland. They were looking for schedules data to drive some innovative products they were creating around self-connecting passengers, combining the rapid growth in low-cost airlines with the emergent market and boom in leisure travel. 12 years later, I've caught up with David and we've had a chat about how Duhop has innovated, transitioned its strategy in recent years, and most importantly about the success and his optimism for the future. I hope you enjoy the chat and look forward to the next podcast. Uh, so, David, um, thank you for uh, taking the time to join me from uh, Keflavik. Um, it's um, it's a fascinating story, um, but who are Duhop? Well, Duhop originally comes um, from Iceland, as you say. So we're, we're based in Reykjavik in Iceland. And um, we were originally founded in 2004 as a, as a flight metasearch website, much like you know, Skyscanner and Kayak, and, and actually around the same time. So it was at, at the time where um, one of our co-founders was, was living in southern France and continually kind of piecing together low-cost flights out of Iceland, somewhere into Europe, and then on to their niece. And, and that was a problem at the time that wasn't really solved or solvable uh, by any means other than a spreadsheet. So uh, <laughs> Duhop was born, and, and, and same for Kayak and Skyscanner. It was, a, it was at the... It was at this time when, when low-cost carriers had proliferated and there was no way to combine them with anything else. So it made sense. And it, I mean, that must have been really challenging because, you know, from somewhere in the south of France to find some of the more obscure destinations in Europe without that connectivity was just almost impossible at that moment, wasn't it? It was. And, and that's really... I suppose what formed the, the basis of uh, Duhop's approach and our approach to, to flight search and, and what has led into our approach to kind of what we do today, and we can talk more about that later, mm-hmm. but it's, it's this fundamental thing of saying, okay, you know, there, there are more ways in the world of traveling than, than actually just through marketed connections on a full service carrier. You know, there's uh, there's these obscure airports where somebody flies into and another another airline flies out of, but you compare those together. And the challenge, I suspect, is not just the technical parts, which must must have been daunting, but even for the traveller to understand the concept at the very beginning was was a complete breakthrough um, moment, wasn't it? Because it was just just so unconventional to think you would you would create your own connection, essentially. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. And and I think, to some extent, you know, the general traveller doesn't really today understand what's going on. I, I think what, what we did in the beginning is we, we would find these these types of journeys and string these kind of one-way flights or, or, or two round trips from separate airlines together uh, but we wouldn't provide any booking facility. So, so the customer was. We always we always had a huge kind of demand on the customer that they would go to two separate airline websites and fill in all of their details twice, and they would uh, then be exposed to the you know to potentially missing the flight at the mm-hmm. connecting airport. So that until well really until our good friends at Kiwi.com came along, 
you know, that booking element wasn't there. And I think that's that was a huge challenge, a barrier for, for people to to uh, embrace this. And I think still today when people book a virtual interline or a, a kind of a somehow a, a, um, an unorthodox connection, um, they really don't appreciate what's going on. Yeah, yeah, it's... Uh... It's it is daunting. So so that's where the business started. But yes. I suspect you wouldn't consider yourself a sky scanner or a Kiwi type business now, would you? Not at all. We and and, and that that transition uh, was suppose I suppose it's fair to say that that transition is still taking place. As as you know, in Iceland we're a very well known brand. Yes, it's a small market, but we're a well known brand for flight flight search in Iceland. So. We maintain that website mainly for Icelanders, um, but we that transition from a flight search website to essentially, you know, a, a technology company mainly directed at airlines and working with airlines. Um, that transition actually started uh, in 2014 or 2012, technically, but with an airport. So in in 2012, 2013, um, Milan Airport came to us and and they had built this product that was a, a ground product mainly at the mm-hmm. airport. Uh, called Via Milano, and they wanted uh, an online extension of that to be able to sell the kinds of connections that they were facilitating on the ground, mainly EasyJet um, to EasyJet, because they're a big hub for EasyJet, uh, or EasyJet to somebody else. They they wanted to not only facilitate those connections on the ground when people had separately booked them, but wanted to wanted to create a sales channel for that under the Via Milano brand. Right. And that was our first foray uh, into this, and and then you had other airports follow. I think didn't you? Because were you were you involved in the Gatwick Self Connect product and others? Exactly. So we, uh, I think Gatwick is probably the most high profile one that that followed. So in 2014, Gatwick figured out that they're of course a very large EasyJet. Well, I suppose it's not right to say that they're a large EasyJet hub, but they're definitely an airport that that has a lot of EasyJet direct routes to mm-hmm. and from. So um, they came to us in 2014, and they had built Gatwick Connects on on the ground, which was a very nice desk in baggage claims where you could drop off your bag if you're uh, you were connecting from an EasyJet flight onto another one. Um, it's a great product, but but they wanted the same thing. They wanted an online extension um, and a sales channel to that product. But they said, you know, what we had developed for Via Milano was still the was still missing the the booking offering. So we couldn't make two simultaneous bookings and a single payment. Uh, and a single, you know, car transaction in in as we do today right. for the Via Milano piece. But we did that for Gatwick. So we launched, we built and launched that for Gatwick. And about, you know, about that same time, uh, Kiwi had started doing that, but direct to consumer. So our route was was really never direct to consumer. It's really always uh, through initially through airports like Milano, Penza, and Gatwick. But then, um, of course, that led us ultimately to working with EasyJet, there was the first airline that we worked with in this capacity. I was going to say, there seems to be a common denominator between Milan and Gatwick in the EasyJet for both of them are a, a very large and, and growing established airline. So it was probably yeah. no coincidence that you ended up being drawn towards EasyJet in some shape or fashion. No, absolutely. And and we were, you know, throughout 2015-16, we, we worked with EasyJet to it's actually a, a, an interesting story. We worked with them to to scope this out. So, set, you know, many many meetings at uh, in the hangar and at Luton, and, and um, we scoped out 
what this could look like for EasyJet, and then they turned that into an RFP process, um, which we were then kicked out of. Oh, I bet that made you feel good. <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> and then somebody won the RFP. Um, they tried to do stuff for six months, didn't work out, and EasyJet came back to us and said, okay, can, can you guys just do this? So, and we did. And I guess the commercial terms were a, a little bit stronger for you than they were six months earlier. Well, yeah, you'd think so. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I'd like to think so. So, yeah. so I mean, the plan changed, and how how did the sort of the work the guys work in there and and the team embrace that? Because you know, it's it's transformational. It's it's occurred over a gentle period of time, but it is still a fundamental change in the in the sector, isn't it? And what you're what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I'd say, you know, if there's one thing looking back, I'd say, well, of course, it would have been nice to transition faster and to have had the ability to transition faster. The problem was that, you know, it's when you have a nice business that gives you, that generates cash, which the, the MetaSearch piece of part of the business, the original business was certainly doing, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, then you're reluctant to kind of spin that off or sell it or or or, or simply dismantle it I yeah. mean, uh, in, in favor of a completely new business even if that new business certainly has more potential but so so we had to that had to be a, a slow transition for us um and and that's okay and and I, interestingly most of the people who are working in the company today have been here for less than you know five six years which is about the time where this transition has been taking place right so um, we have, of course, certain, I mean, well, a lot of them have more experience elsewhere. But in this company, this is pretty much what they know, okay. um, which makes life a little bit easier. But people are always still, you know, people are very reluctant in terms of, you know, shutting down the website or, or, or really changing the face of the company, especially here in Iceland, where we're headquartered and where I'd say half of the employees are based um, and will we'll remain, you know, will we'll, we'll still be based. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's a good point. I mean, it's um, so you moved. You, firstly, you moved out of that space where you had some competition that you you've already mentioned. But mm-hmm. were you moving into a space where it was it was virgin territory? There was no competition. I can't I can't think of anyone who was filling that space. So that that must have been a key driver and reason behind uh, the switch. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, the the MetaSearch space was a complete red ocean, and and two. You know, um, two incumbents, kind of kayak and skyscanner, very, very large and successful companies. And um, I'd, I'd say, and then you had Google Flights coming onto the scene somewhere in that period as well. Yeah. Uh, so I'd say that's a complete red ocean space. And we didn't really have, uh, you know, we didn't, we did, we, we had a friends and family type, in, we had friends and family type investment into the company uh, at that time. And, and we didn't really have any, anything special to, to uh, kind of bring to the party mm-hmm. in that sense. But we really saw that what we were doing with Gatwick, with EasyJet, and then subsequently with EasyJet and uh, others, I mean, then we had something to bring to the party. We had some kind of unique selling points or, or unique abilities or, or unique understanding of how to sell these kinds of connections, et cetera, that, that we could offer. And that was certainly a blue ocean space, you know, where nobody was doing that. At least nobody was doing that from an airline perspective or enabling airlines to to step into the space and that's what definitely what attracted us to it and, and we saw that we could do it and we saw that it was it was a huge opportunity and it certainly turned out to be 
Although, well, you know, current events notwithstanding. But, <laughs> well, yes. Uh, Until 2019, uh, it was a great opportunity. Yes, certainly. And and 2020 started out. I mean, we had we had an amazing uh, January of 2020. <laughs> but that was pretty much it. <laughs> so how how big um, is Duhop? You know, I have this vision of a. Uh, an office in in Kefalovic. but but actually, as you say, fifty percent of the employees are there. But it it spreads a lot further than that, hasn't it? Absolutely. We I mean we 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 started out here in Iceland and 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 we we plan to continue here. But uh, today we have about thirty people who come to the office in 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 Iceland on any kind of regular basis. And actually, at the moment, there, we we are allowed to come to the office. There were there were actually no infections yesterday. I just saw uh, before before we started chatting here on the news. So, That's good. Um, we're we're almost there in terms of in terms of um, the infection rates. And um, in other so and then we have um, we have a couple of bases. We're slowly forming a base in Sweden because Icelanders like moving to Sweden. So we have a few good few employees there. And um, and we have we actually run a call center operation because. Not only do we sell these or enable airlines to sell these kinds of connections, but we service them as well in some cases. Right. So for some airlines, if a customer is in a disruption scenario where they've you know missed a flight because of a delay or cancellation or whatever, then um, then the customer calls us and and or or we proactively contact them when we see that they've their connection is broken and and um, supply them with a new flight if that mm-hmm. be the case. So. Um how are you seeing that that connection is broken? You're manually tracking, or um, what's, oh, what's the actually, process? That's that's quite recent for us. So we, we took um, we took just live flight stats, and and uh, so we just have a board where we see all all live connections basically, and what's at risk, what's already broken, and what's at risk. So that means based on the on that data, on the live data, we can we can reach out to customers proactively mm-hmm. with a text message or or. Um, you know, some sort of note that says your connection is broken. Please get in touch. Or right. this is, you know, we we've booked you a new flight. This is your alternative flight, etc. And, and and I guess as the concept grows, you're going to have to scale that quite significantly. And automation and technology is going to have to be a central pillar of of continuing to provide that support. Absolutely, and and that's really. You know, our focus for the past, I'd say, two three years has been on the on the sales side, on the retailing side. So basically, being able to to you know sell those two two separate bookings in a single checkout, all the ancillaries that the airlines want to want to um, offer, and your know, seat selection and all of these things. And now the focus is is or no, it's not turning, it's not turning away from that, obviously, but we are adding to it that this customer journey, you know, the the, the customer journey of how Certainly, the the happy path is quite easy. That really takes care of itself. But then, uh, the customer journey of what happens in a in a disruption scenario. How do we automate every step of that scenario or every step of that journey? And um, and there's a huge piece, of course, also that we're working on around um, through check of bags in mm-hmm. in that sense. And that's a that's a challenge that this that that virtual interline or sort of these kinds of connections in general face but something we definitely are working on. That, that, from my experience, has been the holy grail, isn't it? Is, it's not yeah. the person who's got, a, you know, who's got a pair of legs and he can get from gate to gate. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's the bag that seems to be the, the real tough challenge. Yeah. But it's, it's something that you know, we've, we've been aware of. Of course, it's been kind of at the back of our minds there. But 
we haven't really started tackling until until this year now and now it's at the forefront of what one of the one of the major kind of uh, work streams for us in this year is to tackle that and it's it's something that we foresee tackling with uh, a partner mm-hmm. rather than rather than going after it ourselves because we have we have some very interesting uh, fairly new companies that are specifically um, working around this uh, and you know have access to the infrastructure that is there in place at at certain airports etc that can be can be very very interesting to work with that's good so when i look at when i look at the company there is a very noticeable expansion to the east of keflavik you know into um eastern europe uh, where i think you've got some resources uh, and yeah. some stuff into asia it, is that because you're consistently sort of following where the low-cost market is developing, or, or what's you've just picked up customers there, or is that a, a more strategic piece of thinking that you've been undertaking? Yeah, I think that's 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 really where we see. I mean, if if we think about going west, right, and and you head into the US, I mean, that's a very very different market in terms of how it's structured, in terms of the you know the limited amount, or it's it's a very it's not fragmented at all, like you see markets you know across Asia. Uh, you know, uh, etc. Yeah. So, I, I think there's a huge difference there, and I think that that's why we we are seeing. You know, we've had somebody based in in you know Far East in in Taipei for two years now. So we've had somebody in Bangalore for two or three years now. So that's so that's a strategic expansion, and we are signing up customers. I mean, in in COVID, since COVID started, we've we've signed up um, Cebu, Pacific, CityLink, both be going live uh, in the next three months. Um, so and 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 we're you know we've been talking to several airlines in China mm-hmm. for quite some time. Uh, we expect that to take time. Throughout what has been an absolutely awful twelve months, um, the whole aviation industry and and those airlines that are perhaps a bit more proactive are actually changing and redefining what they offer and and how they're going to do business in the future. And that that then cascades down to opportunities for people like yourself, doesn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. It's really, um, and and that's that's what's been interesting. I mean, yes, there are, yes, there's no sort of, uh, you know, there's a limited amount of bookings, and uh, but but markets are waking up or 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 sort of recovering in in at different and in different timescales. Mm-hmm. So um, we definitely see what we saw initially in COVID is it was just, just complete shutdown, and people just dealing with you know the fallout. But then you saw you know people sticking their head out of the sand, kind of and saying, hey. You know, this looks like a good opportunity. Let's use the time, because it, it's it's never. I mean, you know, <laughs> never does an airline have time to carefully consider things like this and implement something on that basis. Just and have kind of peace and quiet to do it. Yeah. It's always, you know, like it, it's always in this sense of changing the tires on a moving car. I mean, I mean, there's always just so much going on with the current business that you have to deliver. That, that some things don't really get, you know, get in there. But then they have to start thinking differently. And, and also in a situation like this, it might last for a couple of years. They have to start thinking, okay, how can we supplement what we were doing before with some new technology, cut down cost, and 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 really approach life in a different way. So, I, you know, hopefully um, there are more people who are going to listen to this than just your wife and my wife. Just the two of us. Yeah. Just the two of us. Uh, well, there'll, there'll have been four of us if we uh, 
if we can get them to listen. Uh, they don't listen very often to me, I must admit. But um, yeah, what same. what what advice would you would you give to someone who you know is listening and is facing that strategic challenge in their business? Is is now the time to really go for it, or you know it's those revenues are so valuable that you've got you just carry on what would you what would you say to anyone who's facing this dilemma or opportunity mm-hmm. yeah i think i mean i am always of the mind that you go for opportunities when you see them and uh, but probably with with some some measure of care thrown in at at, at this exact moment mm-hmm. and you know, we are even though yes, we raised money from a from a from SEP, a reputable UK investor, in in November, and we definitely so we have we have uh, you know sort of cash to burn, but we are not going all out at the moment. We are we are uh, being careful, and and I think that should be that should be at the moment. But if there are if there are opportunities, and certainly you know you never let a good crisis go to waste, so certainly there are opportunities at the moment that. You could go after. I suppose what what the mistakes that we've made in the past have have been primarily maybe centered around focus or lack thereof. If you go after too many opportunities, you run into problems. Mm-hmm. And um, but of course you 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 know you really have to properly. I think it's the best thing is to properly evaluate uh, how you know evaluate the opportunities and really understand whether they're worth it or not. And that's something we're we're taking in, into account a lot. You know which airlines do we work with, um, and and how do we define what's a good airline for us to work with, etc. Instead of just working with anybody. In the past, we've done that, and that's that's okay. That's been okay in the past, but um, but that's changing a little bit now. And I presume you're able to do that because you're coming now at this from a position of more confidence and more strength and understanding what the airline needs to bring and what its network needs to have to make these sort of things work. Yes. I mean, that, that, that's been a learning process throughout this is really to understand, okay, what are the, what are the success factors, et cetera. And exactly as you say, I mean, what does, what does the network have to have? What, what appetite do they have to have? And, and just mindset in terms of how they approach things, whether or not they're willing to properly go after an opportunity like this with us or, or not. So I think that's been, you know, there's a lot of learning around that for us um, over the past three, four years, and and yes, you're right. We're able to say with more confidence, okay, this yeah, this is a good airline and a, and it could be a good opportunity, but we'll we'll choose to prioritize something else because 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 we have to, and that's that has come up, I'd say, more frequently maybe in the post-COVID era, is that airlines are less willing to invest um, cash and resources in in projects like this. Mm-hmm. And then we've taken on that role. We've said, okay, we'll invest. We'll invest our resources, uh, assuming we have some sort of buy-in from the airline. But that means we have to be selective. Yeah. You can't be all things to all people. It's just not, no. just not practical. Uh, when I look at a map of the world, David, um, with the greatest respect, Iceland and Keflavik <laughs> look a little bit lonely, don't they? So... Um, as COVID occurred, uh, and I know you was living in London at the time, but you you know you still obviously um, had lots of contacts and were talking to people in Keflavik all the time. What what did you make of how the industry responded to to COVID nineteen? Um, you know, as as a CEO of a business that's involved in it, what was your? If you look back in hindsight, what did you think 
um, of the way the industry handled it and what happened? I think, I mean, in many respects, the industry handled it quite well. Obviously, it probably handled it too slowly, but I, that's 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 also the nature of the industry we're in. I mean, we and that's one of the problems that we face all the time. We are a startup. We want to move fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we're a small company. We're nimble and agile. Airlines don't really move fast. I mean, never. Uh, and that's, I, I think, I think nobody was prepared, but. I think roughly it was it was a it was a it was a good generally a good response, but maybe the the worst part is really what we're seeing now is that we were all too optimistic, mm-hmm. or most of us at least. I mean, I thought I remember reading something in in March, and I thought, okay, this is going to go on for you know six or eight months or something. But somehow I had convinced myself at the end of at the end of 2020 that 21 would be. Would somehow be better, but it's it seems like it's still going to get quite a bit worse before it gets better. So I think, I think that uh, you know airlines tend to plan for the long run, but I think nobody planned for it to to be this bad for this long when this all started out. It it was a word that was used very often um, in April and May, um, and you know it, everyone said it was unprecedented, um, sure. and and it clearly was unprecedented, but. As you said earlier, in every event is an opportunity. What did you learn personally um, in your both your handling of your business and the business from the whole COVID event? Because you know there are key learnings in everything we do and everything that we experience. Absolutely, I think from a business perspective, you know, a situation that we would have had somebody explained to me, this is what's going to happen, and you're going to have to survive. We would have said no. That's impossible. Mm-hmm. And and um, so you can, I suppose, you can survive. And when you're really up against it, things come out of the woodwork, or you're able to pull things out of the woodwork. Certainly, that allow you to survive. And I think that's that's always. Uh, of course, we had tons of help. I mean, like airlines have had tons of help from governments and and all of these things. And and we've had that as well as a company. Um, on a on a. Personal. I mean, it's it's almost the same thing. Uh, being the CEO of this small company, my 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 personal sort of life is very linked with it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Uh, and 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 you know, losing, you know, being paid half of my salary for the better part of last year, um, having to while we were in the middle of raising money, um, that that being pulled out from under us, and then we were able to pull the investors back in, having to move from London to Reykjavik. Uh, in while we were closing the financing round, uh, I would have said that would have been impossible had, had somebody explained that to me beforehand. But you know, it's just, it's the same same sentiment, really. You, you, no matter what life throws at you, you can usually survive, even though you think you may not. Yeah, and you know, I think it, it, I, the amount of people who have said to me, um, "I've never worked so hard for yeah. for so little," is is yeah. just. It resonates, you know, I think we all feel, yeah, it's absolutely true. It's been a really, really tough year. Um, yeah. But, you know, the the nights are, are getting a little bit brighter in Keflavik. Um, and, you know, we know January has been absolutely awful for the industry and forward bookings and um, yeah. capacity and infection rates around the globe are not good and the sentiment is heading in the wrong direction. But there is... And there will be inevitably a recovery. 
at some point. And what do you think will be the really big changes in travel that we will see as a, as you know we come out of COVID? Oh, that's hard to say. I mean, it's it's. I think probably the way that we approach travel. I mean, in terms of in terms of sort of. You know, I, I know that for, from my part, I might not travel, you know, for, on a personal level, I might not travel with a mask, but certainly I'll be careful what I touch and, you know, how often I wash my hands. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think on a, on a larger scale, you know, it, it, I think people will, will think, think a little bit more about when they travel and, and for what reason, especially, you know, from a business travel perspective. Yeah. I don't think it will, I don't think it will drop. I don't think there will be a significant pullback in business travel. I mean, you can't just have, you know, meetings on Teams or Zoom. You you know, that's that's not proper human interaction. So you still need all of those elements. Um, and I think that's that's probably going to be even more valuable than ever. And and you're going to make the most out of it. And you're going to, you know, appreciate it, I suppose. I, I, I guess this freedom of, of traveling the globe is something we all took for granted until it was taken away. Yeah. And, and and I think that's certainly that's certainly going to be obvious, and, and um, you know, as 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 we progress. So um, the frustration of a three-hour delay at an airport will—you'll just be very sanguine and think, at least I'm travelling somewhere. I think you know that's probably how most of the world is going to feel as we come out of this. Probably. I mean, we certainly are able to forget quite quickly and and, and readjust. So once once everything goes back to normal, you know, we. we I guess, and that's the that's the good thing about this uh, about this tough time for everyone now is that we 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 know somewhere that a, a you know aviation kind of when aviation struggles usually there's a boom that follows. Yeah. So I think that's going to be the case here. It might be a little bit slower kind of to to surface than normal, but uh, but it's going to be there. And and I think uh, you know w- once we put all of this behind us and forget we're probably still going to be pissed off waiting for three hours at an airport <laughs> <laughs> well yeah particularly if there isn't a bar open um david what um in five years time you know what the world is going to be in a better place aviation is going to be in a better place uh what's yep. what's your vision for Doohop? is it is it you know a, a global business with satellite offices around the world um will it be true to its roots in keflavik um, is it scalable? Um, what you, what's the vision? What's the vision that you could share with us that you you clearly sh- shared to some UK investors uh, in November? Yeah, so that's that, that's that's the vision. Is is it's a it's a global company with satellite offices mainly for I'd say I'd say those offices would be around sort of sales, business development, customer success. The core of the development, the heart, if you will, the heartbeat. Uh, will be in Iceland for for some time to come. Here we have access to you know very high quality of life, great um, great people at reasonable uh, you know reasonable salaries, and 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 that's a it's a good place to build up. So, uh, but as a company that works with airlines and just airlines in general, I mean I we I know that we need to be close to our customers and that they appreciate that, mm-hmm. and 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 we appreciate that as well. I mean. Uh, you know, last two three years I've spent on an aircraft essentially to be close to the customers. Then that's that's not really the best way to go about it. And you must you probably have a, a better appreciation of the quality of hotels in Luton than uh, any OAG employee, I would think. <laughs> yes, definitely. Well, in that in, in that case, you certainly deserve a break. Um, 
David, it's been fascinating talking to you. Um, I think, you know, I think you're in a really sweet space. And, and as you say, you've got blue ocean ahead of you. Um, plenty of tarmac on which to run and, and take take off and, and move the business forward. Um, and I wish you every success in, in doing that in the coming years, because it's good to see a business grow and a business that understands what it's doing. So thank you very much for your time. Excellent. Thank you, John. Really appreciate it.